Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Smack em a gob. It's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I told Alcoholic and Wadley. That was the most rich, enlightening crack of a beer I've heard on the show so far. I've been practicing. I, you practicing, or did you buy one of those CGI converters? For the no. podcast, no, it, it, that's just a ice cold Rolling Rock tall boy, but mm. it's it's all in the thumb, man. It's all in the thumb. Can you believe just about all the Rolling Rock you left here is still there? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's aw- now I need to come back. <laughs> yeah. I had my band, my 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 ex guitar player Pat here, the guy I came up with, Larkoman. <laughs> he had a couple. But oh, yeah. you left so many behind, you know? <laughs> That's right. Hey, unless I got to buy when I get there. Stupid 9-11. You could have took it with you. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. No shit. But anyway, hey, hey Ian, you're, you're, how how you doing, bro? All right. All right. You know what I just I, realized? I, I, I figure you're doing all right. You know why? Why is that? Because people that have big schlongs are always doing all right. And you got like a big wiener. Uh, it's not so much the wiener's big, but my hands are small. So it works out. Oh, see, I didn't notice that. All right, but yeah. keep sending those dick pics. <laughs> but uh, you know what I just realized today? We missed our anniversary. <laughs> I don't even know our anniversary. When is our anniversary, Ian? I, I don't know the exact date, but uh, I was just looking. You know, as of June this year, we've been doing this show for five years now. Can you believe that shit? Half a decade. Half a fucking decade. Seems longer. <laughs> We've been around almost as long as the Beatles, you know, yeah. their recording career. I, I think we're going to outlive the Beatles. Uh, I don't know about that, man. People people that drink too much wish big schlongs die quick. <laughs> no, I'm saying our legacy. I think people will, you know, they might forget the Beatles music, but they'll remember the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bringing the facts. That's right. Anything but, uh, going on, like like a like an iTunes review or anything like that? No, no, no new iTunes review. Shucks. Yeah, what are you, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? But oh, one thing I, I did realize. What did uh some uh I got some email the other day, and I I think it had something to do with iTunes, and it was showing me reviews that we've got from all over the world. Really. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm too drunk to find that again not right now, but I will find it again in the future because I saw some real good reviews from uh, from England. Uh, there was one from uh, Sweden. Uh, there's some really nice reviews, and some of them are old. But uh, the way iTunes works, you know, you only see, you know, I only see stuff from from America. I don't, I don't even think I get Canadian reviews. You know, like people might have left them, but I, I don't, I don't see them. I only see uh, American version of iTunes. So, uh, 
but once I find out how to access that, uh, boy, I'll have a bunch of re uh, reviews to read. So that'd be awesome. Oh yeah, that that's gonna be an episode in itself. Yeah, that's gonna be swell, but not today. Not today. Uncle Drunko's too fucked up for that shit. It's been a long weekend, long Labor Day weekend. Yeah, we haven't recorded at all. You know, I was a little scared there about that hurricane, but you know, I, I made a post on on um, on Facebook saying that the hurricane can kiss my big black ass, and uh, I ain't got time for this hurricane bullshit. And I, I believe uh, that hurricane is uh, on my friends list. Yeah. And said, all right, let me not fuck with this guy. He, he seems serious. And he's got a big black ass. Yeah. But but, but uh, the hurricane said, that Tim Bream kid is dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that hurricane's a scab kids fan. Yeah, so unfortunately it's going after Tim Bream and all my friends, because that's where I lived for 12 years, is uh, Central Florida, Melbourne area. And uh, all our listeners there, Eddie Galt, Tim Bream, uh, and, and everybody else, all my friends and, and uh, well, not family. Well, you are my family uh, in that area, man. I hope everybody's safe. And, and even, you know, listeners we have in other areas that might be affected. Hope you guys are safe because you need electricity and Internet to listen to this shit. Yeah, so, you do. So uh, best of luck to everybody, man. I hope this fucker slows down and, you know, don't kill nobody or fuck your house up too bad. Mm, yeah, don't fuck with a scab, scab kiss loving hurricane. I'm telling you. Yeah, no shit. This is what happens. <laughs> but uh, so you know, since it was kind of a, you know, wild weekend, we didn't know what was going on, and uh, you know, I, I figured you know neither one of us would have, well, especially you, have time to study something. But I still wanted to record, so I said, "Fuck it, man. Let's just let's just." wing something let's talk about a band because uh we, we do pretty good when we wing it and it's a holiday you know we we winged it on uh fourth of july and had a real good discussion on van halen that people really seem to love so i threw it out to you and you picked uh who you want to talk about today and i think it's an excellent choice thank you thank you i i, I think so too would you like to share with our audience who we're going to be discussing today? Oh, fuck them. Can't they read? Uh, well, not all of them. Come on. That, that's mean. That's mean. You know, we have a lot of fans in the South. All right. Yeah, it's um, that band that's better than Iron Maiden. Oh, you must be talking about Judas Priest. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. Big right fan. Big fan. Well, yes, uh, Judas Priest. And I put on today the... 180 gram clear vinyl version of Rockarola. Nice. And man, that album's really good. But we'll go, you know, we're going to touch upon the whole discography. Yes, sir. Are we going to do live albums as well? Why not? Right on. Even though I'm not very familiar with uh, the one that looks like the Peter Chris solo album. You know what you're <laughs> talking about? Yes, I do. <laughs> and and uh, Battle Cry, I think, is another yeah. one. But yeah. I, don't know. I don't own that. I have the, the yeah. Blu ray. You know, right. but um, I mean, I I can't talk about those. Uh, right. And and the second Ripper uh, didn't Ripper have two live albums? Yes, he did. Yes, he live did. in London. I have that on DVD. Right, and then well, uh, the '98 Metal Meltdown. Well, that Ripper. one, that one, I'm very well aware of because I played that one a lot. Yeah, me too. And uh, but the live in London, ah, uh, you know, I I can kind of tell you what I remember of the DVD. Right, but, and, uh, and if not, fuck it. We'll just make shit up. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, you know. All right. So, um, 
Tell everybody, Ian, uh, how you discover Judas Priest. And this is really gay. Let them know. Oh, yeah. Well, very first would be be MTV. uh, Going to my dad's house at the time, he had MTV. And uh, he really loved You Got Another Thing Coming. And he's like, oh, check this out. You know, he loved that video, too. He loved it when the guy's head blew up and shit. And uh, I always thought it was cool, but, you know, I, I really wasn't listening to hard rock. I mean, I was like fucking eight at the time. Uh, but I liked the song, but kind of forgot about the band. But when I got into metal, uh, was right when Turbo came out. And I saw the video for Turbo and fucking loved it. And, uh, you know, got the album. And, and I loved the album, Priest Live. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get into that album when we get to it, you know, some opinions have changed, but uh, I, I just, man, I thought they were great and went back and got a, the 70s catalog, and uh, that took that took me some time to get into, but, you know, now uh, I, I find it much more rewarding, uh, but I've been a fan ever since, ever since, I always stuck by them, saw them whenever I could, uh, unfortunately, I never saw them with Rob until... Uh, they they got back together with Rob, but I saw him twice with Ripper, and that was amazing. And uh, you know, and then we just saw Judas Priest together, and that was probably, well, not probably, it was the best time I ever saw Priest. It was absolutely amazing. Great set list, and uh, I, I think there's a good case to be made for them being, you know, overall like, man, the greatest heavy metal band. I mean, you look at the longevity of their career. And the quality of their output. I mean, yes, of course, Sabbath created everything, and I love Sabbath. There's nothing without Sabbath. Um, but where Sabbath took a dip and never recovered, you know, Priest has had peaks and valleys, but they just put out one of their strongest albums ever and are still killing it live. And there's something to be said for that. They're about ready to embark on their 50th anniversary tour, and uh, just amazing. And, and yeah, you know, there's always that, I mean, you know, Maiden or Priest, Maiden or Priest. And I'll tell you what, man, I love me some fucking Iron Maiden to a fucking point. And if Iron Maiden could have kept on the trajectory they were going, it'd be neck and neck. But man, they, they took a swan dive and have never recovered, in my opinion. So it's easy there. Priest beats Maiden, you know. Uh, and and I, I watched, uh, you know, I watched your uh, your album battles. Where you did the uh, the first Maiden versus uh, Priest British Steel, and uh, I dug that one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I take Maiden on that. But if you go overall career, I take Priest every time. Did, did Iron Maiden win that one? Oh, it was a slaughter, dude. I, I think what Priest had one song. Or two God songs. damn, and you know how much I love British Steel. That shows yeah. you how fucking honest I am with my track by track battle. Yeah, if you haven't seen those, check them out, man. I, I've, I've really been enjoying those. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yes, I, I'll take the first Maiden album over British Steel, but not by much. So if it, it slaughtered it, that's, you know, it's all, you know, my track by track is the luck of the draw. Doesn't necessarily mean um, what's better than the other. I always pull for the one I don't like as much to win, which rarely happens. But I just finally did one where... It was a complete blowout. Like, one album got no points. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, the Ace Fraley solo album versus the 
Paul oh, Stanley. Oh, I, 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 I should have known. I should have known his fucking kiss. And and I and I thought I was thinking, you know, Paul's probably gonna get one because I like two songs off it. But man, when I put "Tonight You Belong to Me," the best fucking song on that album, and it's an incredible fucking song against the great Anton Fig and "Rip It Out." I was like, holy fuck, Paul's gonna get shut out. You know, and he did. It's fucking overrated piece of shit. Oh, Kiss? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Paul Stanley's solo album. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, how about you? Did your brother turn you on to Priest? Yes, he did. Uh, my brother had Unleashed in the East in 1979 when it was a brand new album. Now, mind you, this is, uh, this is the time where I was really getting into music big time. It started in 78. Uh, double platinum. It was, you know, when I heard I Want You. See, before that, you know, I was kind of like a, how kids are today uh, into singles. I would buy 45s. You know, kids today, I'm not talking about metal fans. Metal fans are different. But, you know, a lot of kids today just buy an MP3 of a popular song. And, right. And that's how I was. When I was a little kid, I would buy Little Willie by the Swede and and, and uh, Benny and the Jets, Locomotion from Grand Funk. You know, I just wouldn't buy albums. And then when I bought, the, you know, the very first album I bought, like legitimately, that I bought with my own money was Kansas Left Overture. But still, that didn't make me like a diehard music fan. I, I, it was because of a movie, Heroes. With Henry Winkler, which, by the way, I bought, I, I rented it on blue on DVD on, on Netflix, and it didn't have it on there anymore. Uh, I guess, oh, maybe, I, I guess maybe because of copyright bullshit. Yeah, yeah. There's some movies where they do that, and that sucks. They they, they redo them for modern release because they don't want to pay the fucking the royalties. No, and you also notice that a lot of movies on DVD and Blu-ray don't have the classic poster on it. You know. Yeah. Because like Slapshot's a good example, right. and that's because they have bullshit with the artist. You know, they have some dealings with the artist. The artist doesn't allow it or wanted too much money or oh, what that, have you. That I didn't know. I thought it was just like you know trying to change it for marketing purposes. I didn't realize it was a an artist rights issue. I can't remember what movie it was. Um, there was a movie. It's in one of those DVD extras I have, where they were saying, yeah, we couldn't get the clearance from. Uh, the artist who was greedy and oh wow yeah so i think that's the deal with all movies you know because you gotta also remember a lot of these artists are dead so they have greedy fucking uh relatives right you know like um the, the state is uh you know and you always hear about like you know at the moment tom petty's estate is fighting against each other and there's always a lot of drama with that shit you know yeah that sucks people who did nothing to get that money <laughs> I know exactly. that, that's going on with, uh, you know, Prince's relatives. Or, right. you know, that shit. And they didn't have jack shit to do with creating it, but now, boy, they, they sure got some fat pockets. And some yeah. opinions. I, I, I heard somewhere, like, there's a release of, like, a four-disc, uh, you know, deluxe edition of Purple Rain. Uh, let me tell you something. If Prince was alive, that wouldn't have been released. Prince was a stickler. I, you know, I'm not a Prince fan. I'm not here right. to bash the guy, but... Boy, if anybody was anal about YouTube videos, it was. Oh pretty, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So he wasn't one to release shit. You know, he was a very, right. uh, you know, he was very protective. 
which is yeah. cool. It's just music. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Right. But now they're releasing a lot of shit that I don't think. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, uh, bonus stuff on those those Purple Rain CDs that he would not approve of. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're right. So, you know, for you Prince fans, it's pretty cool he's dead, huh? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it benefits you. You get to hear all these tapes that you probably fucking love and Prince would have disapproved of. No, I agree. You know? But uh, let me ask you something before we get back into this. You got you got into Priest because cause Manny had Unleashed in the East. Do you know how he found out about him? In Germany, my brother saw Judas Priest, get ready for this, open for Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, Sin After Sin Sin Tour, I believe. It might have been a little later, but, you know, I have a picture. He took a picture, and I got it, of Judas Priest opening for Zeppelin. It's a far picture. It's a stadium. But you can see a little... No, it was definitely not Sin After Sin, because Rob was in leather. So it probably was stained class or... uh, Hellbent for Leather. Okay, well, I, be- I believe, uh, and I could be wrong here, that Priest opened up for Zeppelin in uh, Oakland, on, California. Day on the Green. You yeah. are correct, you are was, correct. Wasn't that in 1977? I believe so. I believe that was Sin After Sin. That's in America, in Germany. Right, started. right. And um, so, yeah, uh, I got, uh, it was a hand-me-down, too. He gave me the out. I mean, I discovered him while I was in Germany. In 1979. And you got to remember, like, at that time, like, what I was saying before, Kansas didn't do it, but it kind of, like, opened the door for um, uh, Electric Light Orchestra. Because then that that was a band I started, like, looking for their records. But I still wasn't, you know, to be a real music fan, you just don't focus on one band. And Kiss, oh, my God, made me focus on other bands. Because Kiss was more hard rocking. And I started looking at, and then, you know, I bought, we sold our souls for rock and roll. And cause I needed a, you know, I knew Black Sabbath scared me as a kid. I knew Paranoia, but it, it would scare me. And then I bought that album cause it's a greatest hit. So I figured, you know, this will represent them, which as good as we sold our souls for rock and roll is, it's kind of lame as a greatest hit. Even oh, though yeah. my, fa- my favorite song off the first album is Warning, which is a cover. But how long is that? Like 15 minutes and shit? Why are you going to throw that on our greatest hits? You can fit like four other songs on there. Like Symptom of the Universe instead of Am I Going Insane Radio. But anyway. uh, And then, uh, you know, then I just started buying albums. Mostly new albums. Van Halen and Judas Priest. I I blame those two to really make me focus on music a lot. Um, I, I can't tell you which one more than the other. Probably Priest because I got really more into metal, but you know, if you were a little kid in 1978 and you bought that first Van Halen album, that was heavy metal. You know, it wasn't called anything else but heavy metal. You know, and um, but Judas Priest was, uh, you know, as far as like Kiss being a gateway band, Judas Priest was really a metal gateway for me because it made me, you know, and it was the perfect time too because. The new wave of British heavy metal just came on a year later. And, you know, I bought Iron Maiden. I found uh, the um, Saxon and Def Leppard and all this shit. And that really, like, forget it. After that, by 83, I was already collecting Venom and Merciful Fate and Celtic Frost, Celtic Frost. 
and shit like that. So Judas Priest is very pivotal in my discovering the world of heavy metal. And, you know, but Black Sabbath will always be my favorite band, but I always said it, man. Black Sabbath invented it. Judas Priest perfected it, you know? Yeah. So I absolutely love this band. And, you know, then British Steel came out, and that was a total, total head turner for me. It was like, wow. This album was like just so fucking amazing, you know? And it was different than what I heard on uh, Unleashed because if you listen to Pretty Steel, there's not a lot of high singing. He doesn't really hit high notes much. I think he only does it in uh, You Don't Have to Be Old to Be Wise and what else? That's about it, right? Yeah, it's definitely more commercial. And at the end of Rapid Fire, you know, he does the high notes. But um, yeah, man. And uh, I became a full-fledged Judas Priest fan now. As far as when the first time they came to Florida, I don't know. But I'll tell you, uh, uh, the first time they came to Florida when I was into them, uh, starting in 79, was Screaming for Vengeance. So I had to wait, you know, a few years, three years for me to finally see Priest. And boy, was it worth the wait. I'll talk about that when we talk about the Screaming for Vengeance album. But uh, you want to start? You want to start with Rockarola? Yeah, Rockarola, man. This is an album that gets a lot of shit uh, from people. I happen to love it, but because I'm a fan of '70s hard rock, and if you like '70s hard rock, I don't see any reason not to like this one. It's it's not the priest you know and love now. Definitely not that sound. But there's great songs on there. I, I mean, shit. I, I love the title track. You know. Cheater, Never Satisfied, Run of the Mill. I mean, there's great shit on this album. Uh, but it's, you know, it's them finding themselves. And this is one's definitely, you know, just their influences and, and shit like that. But it doesn't sound like uh, Sabbath or anything like that. But it's definitely hard rock. But uh, I think it's a solid album that, that most people need to go back and, and give a chance to. You just gotta, you know, have an open mind and don't necessarily look at it as, you know, expect to hear something like the Hellion, you know, or, or, you know, shit like that. But just if you like good 70s hard rock, I think you'll enjoy it. I, I love rock and roll. What do you think? It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic album. It's a great debut. Uh, they didn't find their feet yet. Um, it was, uh, you know, and there was some Atkins on. There was some Atkins on the next album as well. But um, I think it was... Uh, it, it, it's amazing how this album is so unlike Priest, but then they they totally nailed their sound with the with the next one. But man, this one like one for the road. I, I, yeah, rock and roll is very catchy. You know, the winter and uh, deep freeze and winter retreat. Uh, it's cool, man. And Cheater, I love Cheater, man. And Never Satisfied. Armored Saint does a cool cover of it. And I saw them play Never Satisfied on the Epitaph tour where they played a song from every album. Run of the Mill will probably be my favorite on there. It's one of the greatest Priest ballads. And uh, Dynamite You, Hero Hero, it's just awesome. The alternative album cover with that demon with the bombs and shit. Oh, I hate that cover. I don't hate it, but I think it's really bad representation of this album. It doesn't match this album at all. That would be more of a, I don't know. British Steel type of album sounding, you know? 
Right. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the bottle cup, to tell you the truth, but I really do love that 180 gram version that it was a record day exclusive and it's a clear vinyl and the the album cover itself, like the drops, you know, are how, how do you call that when you touch the album? It has little lumps on it where the drops are. There's a name for that. I forgot, but you know, it's it, 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 I, I like that 180 gram. It kind of like brings it to life, right? And uh, I think it's fucking. I think it's just an awesome album. But like Painkiller, and I'll explain when we get to Painkiller. I see a big similarity with Rock and Rolla and Painkiller. And you'd say, well, how could that be? Because they don't sound like uh, those albums. They really don't. They, it's like night and day. But. I don't think Painkiller is really a Judas Priest album, but I'll get into that when we get into Painkiller. Uh, and I love Painkiller and I love Rock and Roller. And it's not saying it's a bad album. They're both fantastic albums, but to me, they're not Judas Priest albums. The next one is a Judas Priest album and should be their first one, really. Sad Wings of Destiny. Used to be Stained Class, but no. Sad Wings of Destiny is my favorite studio album from Judas Priest. I think I didn't, I really couldn't get into it in the beginning. I didn't hate it. You know, I love Deceiver, Island of Domination, but as far as the other tracks, it was like, God, man, you know, it's too slow, you know, because I'm so used to Unleashed in the East versions. And I'll never forget the first time I heard it was a friend of mine had it and he was playing in his car on tape. And I was like, oh my God, this shit is fucking slow as fuck, you know? This ain't fucking The Ripper or Victim of Changes, you know? Tyrant, genocide. But now, as I grow older, man, there's something really special about these slowed down versions, you know? It makes sense to me now. They're fucking amazing. I'll still take Unleashed over it because, you know, that's what I grew up on, my first case of Priest. And what a great first case to have. When it comes to Judas Priest, to me, the uh, fuck. When we did our live albums, I believe this was my favorite live album of all time. Yeah, but uh, you know, and I mean, you just can't beat "Victim of Changes." Dude. That song to me is the is the epitome of Judas Priest. Everything I love about Judas Priest is all captured in that one song. It's so good. It's so amazing. It's so epic and and just historic you know and it's really it's a really a bummer to go see Judas Priest and then not throw out this which has happened but not many times and then there's the ripper you know it's like Jesus that fucking riff and dream deceiver the deceiver and tyrant oh man I can go on and on absolutely love this favorite studio album from Judas Priest is Sad Wings of Destiny and thank you Kathy got me a picture disc version of this Right on. What do you think? Nice. Um, I love it, but it's not a go-to album for me. And I, I mean, I know it gets a lot of praise, and, and I think it's worthy of it, but it's just not one I go to a lot. It's one of those, if I want to hear, you know, a, a lot of those songs, I do go to Unleashed in the East. And I, I don't know, there's not, not one thing I can really put my finger on, but I respect it. But it's, it's it's not a go-to. But the songs are incredible. But I, I think it's a lot like you. You know, you know, I first fell in love with these songs, the Unleashed in the East version, and those are the ones I prefer. Uh, but it it is great. It's not my favorite of the '70s, but uh, 
it's one of those it's it's better than I like it uh, if, if that makes any sense uh, I, I know it's great it's just not my favorite but it, I wasn't, do... it wasn't a go-to album for me either you know I'll be honest with you for many many years now it's like I worship that fucking record right and, it's, and the one maybe... I, it's the one I listen to the most from the 70s interesting uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is a legendary album and, and a very important one in their career because this really set the path. You know, there was no more rock and roller shit. You know, it was, you know, th- this is what Priest would, you know, become and, and evolve from. And uh, absolutely amazing. And, in- and what uh, my favorite album cover. Holy yeah. fuck. That album cover is so cool. You know that you know that angel wearing that that thing that didn't appear till I believe Defenders of the Faith. Uh, that little you know the emblem that kind yeah. of you know now they tack onto the priest logo that I don't like too much. Me either. You know, but uh, you know it's cool. I, it first appeared there and then it appeared on Defenders and then I don't think it appeared again till Painkiller and then after Painkiller it's never left. Right. You know they somehow it in everything but you know it's not as cool looking as eddie so you know that's why they're not playing arenas right well also you know the fact that priests do real tours you know unlike maiden who pop up for like six shows yeah and and then overcharge (laughs) right but uh then after sad wings i i think they step it up a notch uh definitely production wise with Roger Glover of Deep Purple producing, which he, he said he still never got paid for. Uh, they have a, a session drummer, uh, Simon Phillips, uh, but Sin After Sin. This was the first 70s studio album that I bought. And, uh, man, it, it took me a while to get used to just because I was, you know, so used to the 80s. I definitely got into the 80s Priest first, then got to uh, Unleashed in the East, and that took me a while to get into. Uh, but I did. But this was the first studio one, and it took a little bit of time. But man, when it clicked, it fucking clicked. I just the set list, man. Sinner, Diamonds and Rust, Starbreaker, Last Rose of Summer. That's one of my favorite Priest ballads of all time. I know there's a lot of people. I was surprised to see how many people don't like that song. Yeah. Uh, and I I think it's absolutely gorgeous. And I love that Priest has always been a band that has done different styles. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, look at look at just these first three albums, how much different shit they do from heavy to softer stuff. And I think Last Rose is beautiful, but, you know, Call for the Priest, Raw Deal. Here Comes the Tears, I'm a little on, but, you know, Dissident Aggressor, holy shit. And I always loved the, uh, the album cover to this, too. It was real mysterious and just looked evil. Uh... Really, really love this album. I want to get this one on vinyl. I don't have it yet. But uh, Sin After Sin, I think, definitely kicked it up a notch for him. What do you think? And the album cover, I just literally, like, I think it's been a month. Uh, there's an actual uh, real picture of it. That's an actual, what do they call that, mausoleum in a graveyard? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, somebody posted it on Facebook. I was like, oh, my God. That's actually a, really, a real place. You know, it didn't have the water behind it. It's in a graveyard. Right. Did it have the skull? <laughs> no, it didn't okay. have the skull. It didn't have sin after sin written on it. Right. But it was identical. It's it, it, right. you can tell it's the same fucking 
right. Maus- mausoleum, right? That's what it's right. called. Yes, sir. And, and it's it was like wow, yeah, dude. This album, holy fuck, dude. Yeah, you know, again, I, I, I it was never one of my favorites on on the seventies. Like, of course, I'll take it over Rock and Roll. I'll take it over Hellbent for Leather. Um, but I can't take it over Stain Class or. But the sinner, bro. And I'll never forget the first time I bought this album and listening to it when it went into that solo in Descendant Aggressor. And I was like, whoa, that's one of the heaviest things I ever heard in my life at that point. And that's why I say to everybody that doesn't want KK back, I don't want you to go pre-shows. You're not allowed. You You know, KK Downing is so important to the history of Judas Priest. Extremely important. For anybody not to want him back because, you know, he was saying a bunch of gibberish to sell books. Which, by the way, a lot of his uh, slamming of Judas Priest was not all of it. Some of it was legit, but most of it, the headline was fucking total clickbait. You know? So he wasn't as brutal as many think. But yeah, you know? And fuck, he was being honest. You know, he was being honest. It's his opinion. He thought Ripper was better than Rob. Not a fucking wise thing to say, you know, but you know, I mean, that's his opinion. But of course, people get pissed and people don't want him back. And, you know, it's like, it drives me nuts, Ian, dude, how people like, you know, how the fuck can you call yourself a Jesus Priest fan and not want KK back? Look, I understand everybody's got the right to say what they feel. I'm all for anybody saying that. But you know what? You know who also got the right to say something? Me! And I say, fuck you! You know? Because K.K. Downing is fucking crucial. Crucial to fucking uh, Judas Priest. And they need him back, man. They need him back. I don't care how great, you know, Redeemer and Firepower was, which they are. Uh, and then, you know, flip the coin. Then there's, I've seen people say, I would never support Judas Priest without KK and Glenn, you know? So they wouldn't even give fucking those two albums a chance. You know, it's like, oh, fuck music. I'm more, I'm more involved in the inner workings of bands. And you're not a music fan, right, Ian? Correct. You know, th- this isn't like fucking Van Hagar where a guy shows up and ruins the whole thing. These guys have contributed awesome fucking music and awesome guitar playing. And as, as we saw live, I, I, I mean, from a live standpoint, man, Andy Sneap and fucking Richie, they fucking held it. And it sounded great. But yeah, what self-respecting priest fan does not want KK up there? Especially with Glenn being gone now. I think more so than ever. Yeah. You know, it, it would be great to bring him back. If it doesn't happen, hey, man, if they come around with Andy Sneap again, I'm fucking there because they did a phenomenal job. But, you know, if I had my druthers, man, get fucking KK back in a heartbeat. I want him back so bad. I'm not going to boycott Priest. I'll still go see Priest because they're still releasing amazing music and make and doing amazing shows. But, you know, my, my uh, love for Priest wants him back. You see, I have real love for Priest, you know what I mean, Ian? Like, the real deal. I don't give a fuck if, you know, uh, you know, fucking uh, KK was talking about how, you know, Rob Funk monkeys. I don't care what he says, you know? I want him back in Priest. I want him back because descendant aggressor, bitch. Fuck you. You're not a fucking fan. And how about Call for the Priest? Oh, oh hell yeah. Fuck. Like, I think 
you know, I know somebody will contest me because that's how social media is. But for my money, that's the first double bass fucking uh, drumming on a on a metal song. Fucking amazing. Oh yeah, si- Simon Phillips drums on this album are incredible. Yeah, and it's a shame Simon Phillips was offered to join Priest, and he didn't. He didn't want the gig. Right. He said, I mean, I'll, he... I'll do the album, but I ain't doing the gig. Yeah, I mean, he's he's turned out to have an amazing career, you know, uh, as a session drummer. And I saw him. Well, I think you saw the tour too. Uh, saw him play for the Who in '89. Uh, he was the drummer. And you know he... what, Ian? That was the Tommy thing, right? Uh, they did. They did at select shows. They played Tommy all the all way right. through. I, I, I don't s- think every show. All right, I saw the one with Tommy, and right. uh, and and you know, smack me with a whistle. I did not know that was Simon Phillips. I never thought I saw Simon Phillips live. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that was him, huh? Yep. That's awesome. That though, that guy. Who do they have now? Zach Starkey. Ringo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. For the Who. Yeah. Fucking amazing. I'm about to go see the Who again. Right on. I just, I just saw them. Their 50th anniversary. They're coming back. Fucking amazing drummer. That kid is amazing. Hard to believe he came from Ringo. I'm just kidding. I love Ringo. But he's a great drummer, man. Yeah. He's like technically better than Ringo. Just badass. But yeah, sin after sin, bro. Fuck yeah. That's and another glowing example why my priest is 70s priest. You know, and... Uh, may I may I say, uh, I heard like point of entry, and I believe Sin uh, Screaming for Vengeance before I heard all the '70s Prince catalogs. So it's not like you know, I, I I discovered them through the '70s. No, I discovered them with Unleashed and British and Point of Entry and Screaming for Vengeance. Those were my first Priest albums. Right. Then I went back, you know. Because I was a poor kid. And it was hard to come by back then, those early albums. And then we go to the fourth one. Ooh, I can't believe I'm still alive. How much I love this album. This, one, <laughs> this album rules. Now, you know, and we also forgot to mention that Sin After Sin was uh, the first album with no contribution from Al Atkins. So, Pure Priest, and here we have Pure Priest again, except for one cover. Um, uh, Better by You, Better Than Me, Spooky Tooth. Spooky Tooth. Um, Yeah, dude, Exciter. White, I mean, the whole album, fuck it. I I don't have to read it off. The the whole album, and to me, like, I did did on my channel, like, uh, my top 10 Jesus Priest songs, and I had to, like, separate the 80s and, and 70s, and... What made, I, I don't know, maybe it was 10 on my list, I don't know, but man, Hero's End has to be like the most underrated Judas Priest song. Nobody talks about Hero's End. That song is fucking amazing. Then you have their, uh, their uh, Stairway to Heaven on here, Beyond the Realms of Death, uh, which I don't know if you're aware of this, Ian, but you know who wrote the guitar parts of this song? Jesus. Les Binks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did hear that. I did hear that. Yep, I forgot Les, about that. Les Binks wrote this whole song, and then he gave it to Rob, and Rob put the lyrics. Uh, and, uh, very underrated drummer, man. Oh, very underrated. An amazing, amazing drummer. But uh, And, you know, probably my favorite Glenn Tipton solo. It's so emotional and amazing. And, uh, 
Wow. And for a long time, this was my favorite Shooter's Priest album because I wasn't like you. I wasn't going to stay, uh, Sin After Sin much. You know, it wasn't a go-to album for me back then. You meant so, Sadwing. Sadwing. I meant Sadwing. That's what I meant. And, uh, but then, you know, I started getting into Sadwings a lot. Uh, I went through a phase of nothing but sad wings for months, and I was like, nah, dude, this is the best fucking Priest album, you know? But uh, still, this one's a close second. I still hail Stained Class. This is when, uh, you know, a lot of people think this is when they went into the whole leather mode, but no, they were still wearing the, the furly stuff. It was K.K. Downey, <laughs> bitch. The furlies, like Mr. Furley? Yeah, the furly stuff. <laughs> fucking Rob Hoffer with a sash. You know? It's fucking weird. Uh, but you know, that you can see it on YouTube. They played Japan during this era and they were dressed all funky, except, you know, KK was all in fucking black and he had a little leather on. KK was the, and he, he does mention that in the book. Uh, he was the first one to wear the leather in the band. Um, but you know, you KK haters wouldn't know that because, you know, uh, you're, you're, you suck. But um, I was going to say they're gay, but, you know, I'm also a sensitive PC now. Uh, but, oh, man, I absolutely love that. Invader, the title track, Savage. Fucking Saints in Hell. I don't give a fuck how, how fucking cheesy those lyrics are. They're amazing. And, of course, the proto-thrash epic exciter. Fuck yeah, same class. Another glowing example why 70s priest is the best priest. Thank you. What do you think of same class? Uh, I think this is my favorite Judas Priest album of all time. But much like you, uh, another one was my favorite. But this one overtook it, I would say, in, in about, probably about as long as we've been doing this show. About the last five years, I, I came to the realization that this is my favorite Judas Priest. And it's, it, I mean, it's solid. There's not one song on here I don't like. And I, I think they're all exceptional. And I think. I can think of maybe maybe three Priest albums where I, I love every every fucking track, every fucking track, and this is definitely one of them. And I I love the cut co the cover too. I've heard people make fun of this cover. I love the fucking cover. Yeah, I, it looks like Destro from GI Joe, but it looks fucking killer, man. Shit going through his fucking head. And, oh man, and uh, you know pure proof that you know if you listen to this and you blow your head off you're, you're a fucking idiot you know because <laughs> uh, i've heard this album about a gazillion fucking times and i'm still here you know this uh this is music makes me want to live don't make me want to fucking die i, I would figure it'd be turbo to make fucking pre-stance <laughs> oh i can think of something even worse than that but uh hey you know we're all still here except for the dumb motherfuckers but uh man I mean, what, what can you say about this? Uh, it's just amazing. And, and I just, out of all the albums we talk about, I, this is the one I encourage you, man. You know, if you haven't heard it, you know, what's wrong with you? Check it out. And even if you have heard it, but you're like, eh, I don't know. That did great. Listen to it again. Listen to it again. Put some headphones on. Get fucked up. Jam this shit, you know. Uh, just keep the shotgun out of reach, you know. Listen but, to it every day for a month. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which everybody should. It's it's fucking amazing. It's staying class, man. Landmark fucking metal album. Then we go into an album that they release uh, in in the same year. They they come back again. You know, it was back in the seventies. 
you know, where bands have put out multiple albums in a year and great albums. Now, Hellbent for Leather, or uh, as it's called uh, in, in the rest of the world, uh, Killing Machine, I love it, but I do feel it's a step down. Uh, there, there's some amazing songs on here, but uh, I also think there's some, some filler on this one. But I, I definitely love it. But I would say out of the 70s, uh, God, I, I don't know if I would take rock and roll over this or not. It'd be kind of close. I don't know. I actually think if I did a track for track on this, who knows? I, I think rock and roll might win. Uh, but I mean, there's absolute classics on here, like, you know, Delivering the Goods and, you know, the title track, uh, Green Man Alishi, Killing Machine. Before the Dawn, Evil Fantasies. Uh, I love it. I just don't think it's Stained Class, Sin After Sin, or Sad Wings level. What do you think? Well, I would definitely put this above Rock and Roller. I absolutely love this album. This album was uh, kind of like a, you can see what's coming. Right. You know? uh, they, they went for a more commercial type of a feel, even though they stuck to the metal, you know, integrity. You know, uh, you know, delivering the goods. What a great opener. An amazing opener. The fucking, my title track, Hellbent for Leather. Uh, it's so good. It's, it's, it's such a perfect, you know, short but to the point song. I love Burning Up. I love the, 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 the vibe, you know, the, it's just a cool fucking song. Amazing cover of Green Man Alishi. Uh, Wicker Man is awesome on here, and my and my favorite um, Jesus Priest ballad, uh, Before the Dawn, with the amazing KK Downing solo, which is so good. Evil Fantasies, just love it. I, I absolutely love. Uh, what I, I was gonna say, I will say though that to me this is the first appearance of something that <laughs> I always laugh when you say it, and you refer to this on an upcoming album. But you call it like Sesame Street Priest. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think you get a little taste of that on this with something like Take On The World. Uh, uh, to, to, me, to me, it just they're better than that. They're better. It, it just, it's too too simple, too dumbed down. You, you know, for a band that's got, you know, you go, you hear a song like, you know, especially, I mean, the song that followed, Hell Bent For Leather, and then you go to Take On The World. You know, I, I, I don't know. That's... When, when, when they do that kind of sing-along happy shit, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's, it's, that's just not what I want out of Priest. Well, Take on the World is a blatant attempt to, you know, get a hit. Right. Uh, it was very much inspired by We Won't Rock You by uh, Queen. And they wanted to go that route. They wanted to, uh, you, know, you, gotta, you know, Queen, something we, did, we forgot to mention. I mean, that song, Epitaph. On, on Sad Wings, dude, if that's not queen worship, I don't know what it is. I, I didn't mention that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and, and I agree. It's not a good song. I'm not a fan of Epitaph either. Oh, I'm no, not a, I agree 100%, though. That's total queen influence. Yeah, and this one, too, Take on the World. I'm not the big... I, I don't hate the song. I To tell you the truth, I don't hate it. Maybe it's because of sentimental reasons or what have you. But, yeah, it's my least favorite on here. And it's not, I, I wouldn't go as far to say it's a full track. I would never add it to a mix or play it on my radio show. That's for sure. But, you know, <laughs> that's all you need to know right there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's it's just, it's, 
And that's my point, you know, when I talk about Thrash or Die and and talk about, uh, you know, bands that, you know, like, um, that, you know, when they think, oh man, we gotta get a hit. You know, it's like, no, you don't do that. You, you, you play from your heart. You don't give a fuck. The main thing is, is that you like it. You play something that you like. And you don't care if it gets popular or not. You just gotta, you know, stay true to yourself. And I feel like this album, uh, straight from that, would take on the world, you know? And even starts to an extent, but I love even starts. Uh, but even starts kind of commercial as well. Uh, but you know, I mean, I love it. I I, I love Hellbent for Leather. I, I love all all seventy-three. Be my second least favorite. I would say Rock and Roller. How much I love it. Then this one. Then Saint Class and Sadwings. That's that's my order. All right. Well, the next one is the legendary Unleashed in the East. Uh, it, you know, this is. Considered one of the greatest hard rock metals of all time, one of the greatest live albums of all time, uh, even if it's semi-live, but for good reason. I mean, it just sounds amazing. And to most people, these are the definitive versions of those songs. And uh, I mean, I mean, and then you just you look at the album cover, and that is the priest that people would, you know, come to know and love that that, that metal-clad image and. Uh, this was my first 70s era Judas Priest album. I remember getting this. Uh, I, I bought it on cassette at a used record store. And I used to... Do you know what a penny saver is, Ralph? No. It, it, it's like a little magazine. Uh, like paper that's got sales and stuff like that. And I used to... I had a route. You know, I'd pass it out. I'd be up at 5 in the morning. And I'd have my Walkman on, man. And I just for months and months listened to this every morning. Like trying to get in. At first, I had to force myself to get into it because it was. I loved Judas Priest so much, but it was so different. But then when it clicked, it clicked. And uh, man, I'd sit there, and that's what I did. I used to pass that paper out before school, and that's how I got money to buy other used tapes and shit. You know, because it's the '80s. I was buying cassettes. Um, but yeah, that's what we had to do when we were kids, man. We had to earn money to go buy shit. These fucking kids today, you trust the far ends. We had jobs. We, yeah. were, we were we, we were child labor. <laughs> yeah, I had a cut lawn. Yeah, but that's what we had to do to get fucking metal, you know, and we did it. But uh man, this one, like I said, once it clicked, it clicked. And uh, you know, I mentioned previously, I think that's why I have a little bit of a harder time with sad wings, even though I do appreciate it for what it is. When I hear any of those songs, th- this is what I want to hear, you know, and in particular, Victim of Changes. I mean, that's the only version I ever want to hear. I love the studio, don't get me wrong, but once you've heard that live version, there's, there's no going back. You know, there's just, that is the definitive version, and, and it's that way with a lot of these songs, but the set list is so good, so good. I mean, I, I do wish there was a little bit more from Stained Class on here, but, uh, you know, Sad Wings is very well represented on this, and... Uh, it's, Purpose, it's purposely, by the way. Purposely, uh, what's that? Because of um, the that record company, and oh, they don't yeah, own, yeah, they yeah. don't own the rights. Yeah, Gull Records. Yeah. So okay. by re, by re-recording them live, they get you know, and Sony, you know, they get uh, money from it because they don't get nothing off those first two albums. Yeah, I think I think it was Gull in, in yeah. the U- UK, and in the US it was on Tamla which is a subsidiary of Motown. 
Uh, yeah, like, you know, Kiss Alive 1 and Alive 2. Those are great live albums. Oh, my God. Uh, doctored up in the studio. I mean, uh, Wasp, Live in the Raw, there's a lot of live albums I love that are doctored up. And if these are the results you get, I don't mind you doctoring up, because this shit is fucking perfect. I still feel like I'm listening to a live album. You know, I still feel like I'm in the front row. Uh, it's just amazing. And I know when we did our live, uh, we did our top live albums, I know I think I had this at number two, and I had Motorhead at number one. But I think given some time, I think that was, you know, right around the time Lemmy died and stuff, and I was listening to it nonstop. But I think if I'm being 100% honest, th this is probably the greatest live album of all time. You know, I, I, I love No Sleep to Hammersmith, but this one, oh my God. Uh, incredible. And, and it, it changes all of these songs. I, I, I really believe that once, once you hear these versions, it, it's hard to go back on every song on here. Uh, just a masterpiece, Ralph. Yeah, it's the greatest live album ever, greatest Judas Priest album ever. Um, and like I said, I'll say it a million times. I know I said it a million times, but it needs to be repeated. I don't understand people that say, ah, oh, it's a fake live album, so I can't like it, you know? It's like, why can't you judge it by how it sounds? You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go to a live concert, it doesn't sound like a live album, you know? It's loud. Sounds great and all, but I like I like my shit sounding good. You know, uh, Kiss Alive, is, is, I think, is very exaggerated as far as being doctored in the... It's very little. There, actually, none of Peter Chris's drums are done over. And what I've heard about this album is it's really just Rob Halford. That was uh, recorded his vocals in New York, I believe. Uh, I, I heard an interview of Rob talking about it. He may have been lying, but I don't really care. I, all I know is this album is fucking amazing, whether it's doctored or not doctored. It's an amazing fucking album, and I can never understand how people will judge music with other things other than the music. Well, I, I, I know it, it, it is a little bit disappointing. Like, man, when I found out, like, well, my favorite Ace Frehley solos wasn't even Ace Frehley. You know, that kind of hurt my feelings, but it still doesn't change the way I feel about the song. Yeah. You know, I still no. love the fucking song. It's disappointing that, you know, but hey, that's par for the course with Kiss, you know. Oh, my God. I love but, I love the solo on Exciter, and it's not Ace or Vinny. Right. <laughs> it's fucking Rick Derringer. And it's a great fucking song. I, whatever. Okay, cool. Uh, there's a tidbit for you. Ace didn't play on that killer song. I mean, does it take it away? Does it, oh well, I don't like Larger Than Life anymore because it's not Ace. I thought it was. I loved it when I thought it was Ace, but now that it's not Ace, I don't love it as much anymore. I, come on, man! How how does that make sense to anybody? You know, it's like eating a sandwich and you're like, God, that's a delicious sandwich. Well, you know that beef is not real. Oh, it didn't taste that good after all. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I gotta swallow my as much as I hate Bob Kulik, you know, I gotta give him fucking props. Hey, that was a great fucking solo. Yeah, but Bob Bob Kulik's only good when he's pretending to be Ace. Right, right. But uh, I mean, unlike unlike Tommy Thayer, he's not good at pretending to be Ace. He's not even good at pretending to be Tommy Thayer. Yeah, that's true. But uh, uh, but he's damn good when he fucking has to get get takeout. 
Yes, yes, he can get a mean cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, Priest, man, I, uh, fuck, this is amazing. Amazing. I don't give a fuck. You know why I don't give a fuck? Because I'm a music fan, unlike you fucking ultra nerds that are gonna, oh, no, I don't like it because it's not completely live. Fuck completely live albums, okay? Fuck them. You know, all my favorite live albums are doctored up. All of them. You know, there's an exception to every rule, you know, but, you know, for the most part, if you listen to our live albums, I bet you most of them are doctored up. There's many that we don't know, and they may be doctored up, you know what I mean? Because they haven't spilled the beans on it. Yeah, I I think in, in cases where they're not doctored up are probably like maybe like some punk records or something where they don't even have the money to doctor it up. You know what I mean? I think that's usually the case. If it's not doctored up, it's because they couldn't afford to doctor it up. Yeah, they couldn't afford to go in the studio and doctor it up. But either way, man, either it sounds good or it doesn't sound good. You know? Oh, I want my live album to be legit. Oh, then fucking take a tape recorder to a show. You fucking nerd. You're not a fucking music fan. You fucking stramboli. That's right. You heard me right. I called him a stramboli. You know what a stramboli is, Ian? A stromboli? Yeah, I've ordered that at many an Italian restaurant. No, stromboli. Uh, what's that? I don't know, but it's, it seems to fit them well. <laughs> stromboli. Bunch of stromboli motherfuckers. No smack on my god for you. Yeah. We like fugazis here. Yeah. That's right. Anyway, this album rules. Let's go to the next one. Uh, British Steel. Uh, let me take this one. Yeah. All right. You take it. This is historic. And, and you know, in the annals of heavy metal, <laughs> I said anal. Um, this album, I'll never forget going on my bike to this place called Zayers. In, uh, I, I remember Zayers. Was, was that a chain? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. All um, right, all right. And I went all the way on my bike, and it was a far, it was a, it's like maybe... I don't know, three miles from my house on a bike. Hot Florida day. I'll never forget it. I got this shit like, I don't know, June maybe. Or, you know, I, I know it was very new uh, when it came out. And uh, I remember, I'll never forget it. I remember seeing it. I didn't have the money. I went and mowed some lawns. Pedaled my ass to Zayers. Bought the album. Pedaled my way back and I was so exhausted and sweaty. I had to take a break, so I laid down my bike and sat on the grass next to a canal and looked at the album and looked at the back cover and read the the, the titles of the songs, you know, Breaking the Law. Before I, I haven't heard any of these songs yet. Rapid Fire, Metal Gods, Grinder, Steeler, The Rage. You know, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to, huh, I'm getting back on my bike. You know, I pedaled my ass home and, oh man, you want to talk about fucking life changer, man. And in my opinion, Judas Priest, as killer as their albums are after this, none of them match the greatness of British Steel. This one, I'll take it over fucking uh, Hellbent and fucking Rockerola, not the other. Um, I think it's a fucking great, it's the perfect album for the perfect time. It was, um, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal, even though you can't really put Priest 
in that category since they weren't new at this point. They're already like six years old, even older, but their recording history is six years old already. And um, God, it's just such a great, fantastic fucking album. So great sounding. You know, I don't know shit about production. Maybe you'll tell me some shit that's wrong with it. But I just think it sounds phenomenal. And I really love United. The, the song that everybody hates. And it's pretty much Take on the World Part 2, but much better. I really love that song. It's nice, melodic, uh, call to arms. You know, I, I just love it. I just love this album from start to finish. And I was so happy, you know, to see them play this completely live at the Hard Rock where it was professionally filmed for the 25th anniversary or 35th, whatever it was, uh, DVD. And it's, oh man, watching that DVD captured that night perfectly. And a side note, um, I wore my Thrasher Die shirt. I never wear my band shirt, never do. But I did that night because I was hoping I'd come out on the video. And you hey, look, Thrasher Die in a Judas Priest video. And during Breaking the Law, a camera guy came up to me and I went up to the fucking camera looking at the camera and said, Breaking the Law, breaking, you know, going crazy. And man, and it took a while for this to come out going, I hope they, I hope they use my footage. And they didn't. But uh, what a bummer. I was hoping to come out on that video screaming into the camera. But oh my God, fucking, oh my God. Pretty steel. But now I know what you feel about it, you fabulous. But yeah. I fucking love, 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 love this album. You had to be there, Ian. I'm serious. You would not uh, be saying the I stupid agree. shit you're about to say if you didn't live in Hell's Bells and Prowler. And, you know, Rock Brigade and all the shit that was going on in 1980. And they throw this shit at you. It's like fucking A, man. That's why I feel like 1980 was the greatest, the greatest year for heavy metal. It's It was just like, and you look at it, you look at the history of metal. These are the most praised albums. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, Unmasked. Uh, <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as I said earlier, there's an exception to every rule. This, <laughs> and this, 1980, this is when I totally turned my back on Kiss. Oh, my God. You know, because, you know, all this shit took its place. And I didn't hear Unmasked till 1983 because I saw Shandy on the rock, either Midnight Special or Don Kirshner Rock Concert, one of the two. And I was like, dude, at that time, I was all into metal. And seeing that shit, like, after listening to Judas Priest, I'm like, oh, fuck these guys. <laughs> now it's like I love Shandy because you know uh, since then I know I know what dick tastes like but I'm telling you man there was just something in the air it was so special and you know you, you know you gotta give it up for Back in Black you know that's the one album you really gotta give it up for is, you know I don't put it on much you know because of the burnout factor but that album was pretty much the spearhead the fucking leader of 1980 and all the albums that followed were just as, if not better, but um, it was just a special fucking time, you know? I, I agree. I, I think, but this is a classic example that you've said a million times. Uh, timeline is everything. And, you know, I, I think a good analogy we can use is Star Wars. Okay, your favorite Star Wars is the original. Yeah. Uh, because it was a game changer for that time. 
And and for me, it's all about Empire Strikes Back. No, no, no. Empire is my favorite. Oh yeah, yeah, no, but, but you know what I mean though. Like a lot of people are like, no, it's all about you know the the original New Hope, you know, which wasn't even called a New Hope for years. But but you know what I mean? It it it, it changed the game. There was nothing like it before, so it was more of an event. As good as Empire Strikes Back is, and I believe it is a superior film. You, you couldn't have that without having the original Star Wars. I will say this, that part strikes back is my favorite Star Wars, but New Hope is the most special one. Right, right. And, and, and that's how I think it is with British Steel. And I think if, if I would have been around in that era when it came out, it would mean more to me than what it does. And I, I do love the album, and but it, it definitely suffers from burnout factor. Uh, you know, most notably living after midnight and breaking the law. Um, but I, I mean, shit like rapid fire, metal gods, grinder, the rage, the rage, the rage is, is probably my by far my favorite yeah, track my, on the my, album. My favorite song on the album is the rage. I, I love the rage, and the rage is something that I really didn't. It didn't grab me till I got uh, Metalology, that greatest hits that came out after uh, Painkiller. Good move putting that on there. Oh, oh, that was one of the best greatest hits of all time because they put all, all kinds of deep cuts on that and, and more bands. Dawn was on there. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a lot of priests. Blood that, Red that, Skies was on there. Yeah. Um, but there's other stuff. You, you know, I don't like United. I don't like. Uh, you don't have to be old to be wise. Uh, I'm so burned out on breaking the law and living after midnight, you know. But I, you know, I still love Steeler and Grinder and all the other ones. But between, you know, having what, what in my opinion is filler, and and having other songs that I'm burned out, it kind of it taints it for me. But I respect the album. I respect it. But it's never ever a go-to. But if if I would have been, you know, your, your timeline, it probably would mean more to me. I don't dislike the album. It's just not a go-to to me, and I and I think they've done better. You know, what's better, uh, British Steel or Turbo? British Steel. So now I would like to say to you, flipping the uh, the album over. Thank God, I didn't fucking come up on your timeline. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I I agree. I agree. I mean. Yeah, and, and trust me, I'll get into some of that shit when we talk about that album. But that's when I came into them. But I, I think they have... I Personally, I just think they have better albums. But I understand the importance of it and the timing of it. I respect it. It's just not a go-to for me. Right on. But one that is a go-to for me, and I can't fucking tell you why, me is the, ne- the next album, Point of Entry. I can't tell you why either. I don't know what it is about this album, and I kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I put this in the same category as Never Say Die, and I know you do this as well. It's not their best album, but it's the one I play the most, and I don't know what it is, but everything clicked with me on this album, and I, I, I do not think it's their best. And I think there, there's some songs on there that I probably should make fun of that I don't. I love every single fucking track, but I can see why people like Kerry King said, man, when this came out, he was like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, and I get that. I get, I, I get, you know, there's songs on here like are just begging to be made fun of, yet I still love them. And I don't know what it is because it's not a, 
it's not a time thing. I mean, I got in this album way after it came out. I mean, I think when I really started spinning this all the way through was probably, fuck, 87, 88. You know, but there's just something about it. And I can't put my finger on it, man, but I can definitely put my ears to it. Because point of entry, I love every fucking track, even though I know I shouldn't. And I don't know what it is, but it's just music to my fucking ears. And, uh, you know, it, I mean, heading out to the highway, classic, don't go. I cannot believe this has never been played live. It was a single and never played live once. I absolutely love it. Hot rocking, turning circles, desert plains, solar angels. But then you get to shit like, you say yes. Goofy as fuck. That chorus is terrible, but I love it. All the way, troubleshooter, on the run. They're not classic songs, but I love them, and I don't know what it is. And I will take the cheesy American cover over the original British cover any day of the week, and they both suck. But I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's just what I know is that, you know, the that old-school printer paper spread out amongst the desert, man. But there's just something about it. I absolutely love Point of Entry and could be one of my most listened to Judas Priest albums still to this day. It's definitely a go-to. What do you think? Yeah, talking about timeline, this came out in 86. I probably wouldn't like it. Right. You know? Uh, it was perfect timing for me. I knew it wasn't as good as British Steel or Unleashed. I knew it when I first got it. But I still loved it. It was them doing... I guess the same reason I love Dynasty. You know, I knew it wasn't like the older stuff, the more horror. It's a total commercial, you know, sellout album, as you will. This is not traditional priest. Solar Angels to an extent. But this is what I love about Judas Priest. How they can take a turn like this and, you know, and make it work. Not like, you know, like your loads and reloads. And yeah, like some of the singles, shut up, Ian. But as a whole, those are terrible albums. But it's them doing uh, their point of entry, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's Metallica. You yeah. see, only <laughs> their point of entry entry was an asshole. <laughs> that's right, um, and I'm sure that's what Rob meant from this title. But the the, the point is that something about Judas Priest when they take chances, not all the times, but most of the time, it works. And this one works. It was, and you also, you know what? I also have to, and I never thought of this till right this second. I also have to thank Cheap Trick for me loving this album because of Cheap Trick giving me that pop sensibility. You know, if I was metal, metal, metal like Carrie Kane, I, I would scratch my head and think, what the fuck is this shit? But it's because of the pop sensibility with Don't Go, Turning Circles, Desert Plains, Troubleshooter. I love Troubleshooter. You know, you say yes all the way and on the run. Ah, oh, man, those are weak tracks. But I, I'm not going to turn them off. But... No, you know, I'll take fucking living at the midnight breaking a wall over that shit. I don't care how burnt out I am. But it's 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 priest taking a chance, so in a sentimental way, I give it a pass. But I realize, like you said, they're not good songs. On the run's okay. You know, but you say yes and all the way, oh boy. <laughs> you know? Especially you say yes. Jesus Christ. I said no. Yeah. When I do what I do. <laughs> oh, I love that part. I love that part. It's just, it, but, you know, I I don't turn it off. Because 
you know, maybe that's probably why I love The Elder so much, too, because it's so weird and not like Kiss. Oh, my God. That I, I think that's the same reason I like The Elder. I like Dynasty. I like, you know, um, Point of Entry. But, boy, Unmasked. <laughs> I don't give a fuck how much I care about Kiss. That shit sucks. If this goes at like unmasked, forget it. I don't give a fuck if you're Jesus Priest. You fucking release an album with fucking, I know what makes the world turn around and shit like that. Nah, you ain't, you ain't gonna pass or, or uh, two sides of the coin. You're so European. Yeah. Yeah, and that one too. Ooh, boy. With the little keyboards, just when you see her. But um, you gotta get those kiss views. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, dude, it, it, it is a great album for what it is, and that and and I would say this is a Judas Priest album because Judas Priest takes chances. You know, they don't just stick to history lessons every fucking album. You know, up the irons, up your ass, right? <laughs> Sideways. And, you know, just to throw Iron Maiden in, because we have to. Everybody compares Priest to Iron Maiden. See, Iron Maiden with Deano, they took chances. Prodigal Son, Charlotte the Harlot, middle section. You know, I mean, that's Maiden taking chances. Yeah, they did a little bit with Bruce with uh, Children of the Dam. And uh, what else? I think that's oh, it. What? See, I gotta disagree with you there. I think they took way more chances with Bruce. I, I, I mean, to this really? day, yeah, dude. To this day, they're like, hey, let's put out a shitty album, see if these suckers will buy it. Yeah, but they all sound alike. <laughs> they're not yeah, taking they, chances. They, it's take, it's taking a chance of putting out a shitty album, and people like yeah. Michael Glanmire going, oh, that's good. Hey, leave Nitro alone. He can't help it. He's a maiden card. I love Nitro. But um. You know, uh, then, you know, when, when Maiden took chances later, like Wasted Love, uh, Angel and the Gambler, you know, come on, man. It's like, all right, all right. As shitty as you guys are, stick to your shit. And don't don't take chances anymore. Um, I, I just, I, I love uh, Point of Entry's chances. I think it's gutsy, and I stuck to it. And thank you, Cheap Trick, because because of your pop sensibilities, I was able to hang. Then we go into the next one. Yes, sir. And I've told this story before, and i got to say it again, because it's so funny. Uh, Randy Rhodes just died, like, maybe, like, five months before this. And we kept hearing about this band called Quiet Riot that Randy Rhodes was in, but we never heard what they sounded like. And my friend played me Helly and Electric Eye telling me, that's Quiet Riot. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time I heard anything off screaming. And I was like, wow, Quiet Riot's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they sound like Judas Priest. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you this, Ian. I will take Electric Eye and, and the Hellion over any song off British Steel. I think this is the greatest Judas Priest 80 song. I think it's just perfect. And the greatest heavy metal intro to any album is the hell yeah. Um, then you got Riding on the Wind, Bloodstone, Take the, Take These Change, which we saw. Yes. You know, Pain and Pleasure I love, Scream for Vengeance I love. Got another thing coming I've never liked. I'm not a riff verse guy. You know what I'm saying? Riff a line, a riff a line. 
You know, there's certain songs that do work that way, but not many. And, you know, you got another thing coming to one of those. Well, I've gone a little... You know, it's like that repetition shit bothers me. And it always did. And it just so happens it's the biggest. You're so countercultural. I'm counter counter fucking American Idol shit. Come on. I don't think... I I think everybody that likes you guys in a thing coming, everybody in our circle of people will not point at this as the greatest Judas Priest song or even the greatest 80s Judas Priest song. They'll be like, that song rules, but you're not going to say it's the greatest. American Idol fans will say it's the greatest. Fever's an amazing D-track, and of course, the great Devil's Child ends it. Um, An album that... You know, I, I like I said, you know, I'll take Electric Eye over anything off this deal, but I still say British Steel's better, and I can name a couple albums after this that I like more than uh, Screaming for Vengeance. Wow. But Screaming for Vengeance is what broke the, you know, made them headliners. I mean, I still saw them in Sunrise Musical Theater, which is not small. You know, it's an average-sized theater, but um, I will never forget being, I was so close. And check it out. Judas Priest played on a Friday, and that same night, Van Halen, Diver Down Tour at the Sportatorium on Friday. And Saturday, thank God. They played two nights. So the day after the Screaming for Vengeance, I saw the Diver Down Tour. And, uh, nice. Yeah, the first time I ever went to back-to-back shows. I've done it many times since. But, um, yeah, uh, and, and the way, dude, I'll never forget, I, I was so close, like, on KK side, and watching Rob scream and seeing those amps, like, five, literally vibrate while he would hit those high notes and center and stuff. It was, oh, my God. I, I'm telling you, man, that, that was the best time I ever saw Priest and definitely in my top ten shows of all time. Unbelievable. Opening act. Oddly enough, Uriah Heep, where nice. it was, was cool and all, but fuck that, man. They had fucking uh, Number of the Beasts made an uh, opening for him on a bunch of other shows on the story right. in America. So I kind of got boned. Right. So, but Uriah, Uriah Heep was awesome when we saw him, though. They were, they were better. They were better when we saw him than that Sunrise show. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, it was that Obamagog. And I know a lot of people like that. I think that album's terrible. Uh, great album cover, but yes. just a terrible album. But and and very unmemorable. I remember seeing Bob Daisley and Lee Kersley on the same stage. I saw Randy Rhodes and Ozzy Osbourne a, a, a year or two prior with Rudy Sarzo and and Tommy Aldridge. Just a weird thing to see. I yeah. saw the original Blizzard of Oz on the same stage, but just separate shows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, and you know what's funny too? I don't know if I ever said this. When we went into the show, I went to the show thinking Megan's opening. We all did. And on the on the balcony of the theater, there was a big banner for Iron Maiden. Oh, it, well, it was way before the internet and shit. So. Yeah, so you had like fans there. Oh, you know. yeah. I, I imagine that'd be you know as much oh, as I love you. Break. As I love Uriah Heep, I think you're seeing Maiden around that time. I mean, I, you know, it was sucky for me, but I'm sure it was worse for the people that took their time to make a banner. You know, oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. they were like, "Oh, what the fuck?" Is that, that oh. that's the good shit before they became Emerson Lake and Maiden? Yeah. Uh, oh man. 
Well, man, I don't know what more you can say about this one, but I will say until Stained Class, this was my favorite Judas Priest album. Uh, there's To me, there's no weak song. There is no weak song. And, and yeah, you got another coming isn't my favorite, but it's still so fucking good. You know, and to me, it's quintessential Judas Priest. Like, I, I can see a show without breaking the law and living after midnight. I, I always want to hear you got another thing coming. Did they play it? I don't think they did. I don't think they did. Yeah, I was okay, though, because that was such a stellar yeah. set list. Yeah, I think that's one of the ones they were bitching about. But by that point, you know, I'd seen Priest three times. Uh, you know, so I, I'd heard it live. I heard Rob do it. heard Ripper do it. You know, I love it. And, you know, the set list at our show was so special and show, so unique. You know, it's, it's a minor gra- I got to hear Take These Chains. Yeah. I mean, like, like if they if they let me pick the set list and I had to choose between one of those, I would have put... I would have picked Take These Chains, you know? A uh, great song. Such a oh, great yeah. song. Great well, And a, a Taking a Chance song. Because yeah. Scream of Revengeance is a fucking metal album. But that's a goddamn commercial track, and it works. Oh, yeah. But that's... To me, that's what's so special about this is, is the flow of it. And I know... You know, we're going to get to an album later where you complain that it doesn't have that peaks and valleys. It's all one level. Um, and, but this one definitely has those, you know, from the heaviest of the heavy to uh, catchy as fuck. And I just, I, I think this is the epitome of all killer, no filler. You know, and it, it's the first Priest album with, you, you know, where they start doing like the, you know, the cartoonish, you know, bright color logos that would be so, you know over the course of the next, you know, few albums and stuff, you know, that it's just stuff that reminds me of Priest like growing up, man, you saw those bright colors and like the robot shit I mean, it was just so Judas Priest uh, but this album, I never ever, ever get sick of it I don't think there's, even you got another thing coming uh, which I don't listen to without listening to this album, you know, I don't just go to that song, but I would never skip it in a million years, uh the, the song placement on this is is perfect. I mean, to me, this is just a quintessential album, you know, that you play from start to finish, and it just flows. And it, it oh, man, it's, I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know how Stained Class overtook it, but it did. But this is a very, very high number two. And uh, again, I think one of three albums, I'll say there's not one bad track or, or one filler track on it. I will uh, say one good thing about you got another thing coming. I like uh, the part where he goes, you think I'll let it go, you all mad. I like that. Yeah. I just like that because it's so, it's so British. You know what I mean? Right. You're mad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like so cool, you know, but it's, it's fucking so Hopper. Because, you know, <laughs> one thing we haven't mentioned is like Rob Halford is like, one of the coolest motherfuckers ever. Oh, you know, yeah. Just as, you know, as a human being, as a front man, the way he, like, stalks the stage. Yeah, Angel Retribution, it was uh, kind of sad how he was back then. But, but yeah, he's back. He's back. But, man, he, he, just the way he prowls the stage, and he's just uh, so fucking cool. And, you know, he kind of insults our intelligence a little bit um, when he goes, this next song contains the word, the law. <laughs> Breaking the what? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> you know, hey, it's I'll... like it's like. Have you ever seen a? Uh, and dude, this shit's hilarious. Uh, Saturday Night Jeopardy, Saturday Night Live Jeopardy. 
with yeah. Sean Connery. Yeah. You know, they give those categories, you know, that's like it's pretty much giving them the answer. Uh, that's what I, I always noticed about Rob Halford. It's like, this one contains the word, the law, breaking the what? Uh, <laughs> fuck, man, give us a second here. Um, breaking, uh, I don't know, breaking the, 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 the man bun? You know? Oh, oh shit, they're playing right on the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> breaking the right on the wind. Breaking the wind. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, he is such an amazing front man. That fucking voice has stayed. I'll take this motherfucker over Freddie Mercury any day of the week. Man. Well, I, I will have to agree with you there. I love Freddie, but man, Halford is yeah. Shit, I, I, and I won't say I, I respect Freddie. But man, give me give me fucking Rob Halford, man. Give me Rob Halford. Yep. Oh man, just fucking amazing. The man, I don't give a fuck if he's gay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I remember you know when I first heard. Not not that. Uh... Oh, I knew. When did you oh, find oh. out when it came out? Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's when I yeah. found. But I had heard uh, a year previously. I was I was at uh, I, th- I think I told this on a previous priest episode, but uh, I was at an Ozfest, and it, it might have been the one with with Rob. Or no no no, it couldn't have been because he came out before that. It was one of the first Ozfest. But my friend brought a friend who was a rock photographer from New York, and we were talking about priest. And he's like, oh man, yeah. He's like, he's cool as hell, but he's gay as fuck. And I just, I I just took it as like he was trying to, you know put him down or slam him and you know because i always heard those rumors and it, well you know people say because the way he dressed and stuff like that and i i was like it's not that it bothered me that he was gay but i just thought it was like you're you're trying to say it's a bad thing or putting him down but i was like man shut up with that she goes no he goes, dude he's awesome i love rob halford i'm not putting him down but the motherfucker's gay he's gay as a motherfucker i was like yeah right shut the fuck up and then he came out i was like oh well, i'll be damned but, you know, I just like, okay, well, I've got to go to work. You know, it didn't bother me one fucking bit. And I'm really proud of, of the metal community, uh, which can be notoriously homophobic. You know, and which is funny, you know, where you have a lot of bands that dress like fucking women, you know, to get be homophobic. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think most people kind of like, oh, well, I still love Judas Priest. You don't hear too many people like, oh, I quit listening to Judas Priest yeah. because he was gay. And you I'm know. glad, and I'm glad the people that did. Uh, Which stuff. It, yeah, we don't want you to be peaceful yeah. later, you fucking homophobic fucking fag. Yeah, like like in this day and age, you go on blabbermouth, you know, and anybody, you know, any band talks bad about Trump and all these people, I'll never buy their record again, I'll never listen to them again. That is about the stupidest shit in the fucking world, you know. But, you know, or, you know, the same case would be made. If you would stop listening to Judas Priest... You know, you're because he's gay. Fan. You're just not a music fan. It's like, it's like, it's like, who gives a fuck? It's like, oh, how many years were you loving it before you found out? Yeah, it, it, it makes you, it makes you look like a fucking phony, and not a music fan. You're, you're, you're judging music by something other than music. Well, I, you know, I, I remember, you know, telling my son, you know, because, you know, my, my. Uh, my ex-mother-in-law, you know, you know, forced the church on my son, you know, and, and they were very homophobic, of course, in the church. And, you know, I, I was trying to, you know, get that shit out of my, my son's system, you know, because I could tell, you know, they're beating that prejudice into him. 
And around this time, he's getting into hard rock and metal. And I was like, hey, you like Judas Priest, don't you? He goes, oh, I love Judas Priest. And he goes, I go, singer Rob Hofford? I go, gay as fuck. He's like, what? I go, has any Judas Priest song ever made you want to suck a dick? You know, he's like, no. I'm like, well, then what the fuck do you care? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Stop being prejudiced, people. Who cares what he does when he gets off stage? Enjoy the fucking music. As long as he's not harming you, fucking, you know, go for it, man. That, and, you know, to me, that applies to people that don't want KK back because of what he said. People that don't like live albums when they find out it's not a real live album. And people that don't listen to Jesus Please because Rob Hoffer's gay. You're all not music fans, and please skedaddle. I don't I don't want to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I could have said it better. Skedaddle like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> don't walk away because men walk. Bitches exactly. skedaddle. <laughs> I swear, I'm not gay, but, you know, all these people that stop listening to Rob Hoffer because uh, he's gay, I, you know, my fantasy would be that... Uh, me and Rob Hoffer like raped them. Oh, I, I'd be right there, you know. I'd, Double penetrated, one in the mouth and one in the butt. Hell yeah, I'll spot. I'll take the mouth. Fill that motherfucker out like an application. I'll take the <laughs> mouth because you know Rob wants the butt, and I love Rob. And if whatever he likes, he gets. Like I said in that Rob Hoffer interview, I thank God. more veiny big cocks for Rob Hoffer because it makes him happy. And I love Rob Hoffer, and I want him to have all the cocks he wants. Fuck yeah, suck that cock, Rob. Here, here. Cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Cock, it's what's for dinner. Right. And all you know, right. He's backstage, you know? More chicks to pick. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, this ta- this brings an end to part one, because it's a big-ass discography. And... Uh, we got a lot more to talk about when it comes to the metal gods. Oh yeah. So give them the, the farewell, Ian. That's your job. Do something. That's right. If you like this, and God damn it, you better, because this ain't fucking Emerson Lake and Maiden. This is Judas Priest. Come back next week when you hear part two. Only right here on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.